I am so excited to be partnering up with Gorillas again this season. The original sexy grocery delivery app is revolutionizing online shopping. Fresh food delivered to your door in minutes, catering to all your food needs. Operating in nine countries around the world, Gorillas supports small businesses as well as local producers to bring your favorite brands to your door. Run out of wine during the dinner party? Gorillas can sort that. Run out of eggs for your Sunday morning pancakes? Gorillas can also sort that. Don't believe me when I say how great they are? Then download their app and get £10 off your first order when you spend £20. Use the code SEXY10 at checkout and thank me later. Hello and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, food experts, chefs, and people who just love their food to find out all about their life, career, and their favorite tastes along the way. Today, I'm joined by Christelle Pereira, the baking sensation from the Great British Bake Off in 2021. Through her delicious cakes, pastries, and creme pats, Christelle's bakes were inspired by her mixed Portuguese go heritage and her ode to her family members. Probably the most talked about moment in the series was Christelle's final bake, which involved focaccia that didn't rise, bake, whatever you want to call it, but more on this later. The financial analyst by trade is here in my kitchen, glass of water in hand, and I cannot wait to find out all about this rising star's life in food. Christelle, welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. Oh, thank you for having me. Wow, what an intro. I was not <laughs> expecting that. I was kind of sheepishly just sitting there, you know, when someone's like singing happy birthday yeah. to you, you're like, hi guys. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm always intrigued by people's reactions when I do that because it especially if you've just met someone yeah we obviously don't have that history together so it's like you're probably thinking oh my god this is like so <laughs> weird and awkward and like I feel like in this country we don't know how to accept compliments oh my gosh yeah all so the we're time. always like no that's not me I yeah, didn't do that shut up, you. <laughs> yeah. but I also just feel like because Bake Off is so recent I feel like my baking portfolio is so tiny so when people saying all this stuff I'm like oh god that's really me <laughs> <laughs> it is you so how are you? How's life treating you? I'm good. Really, really busy. I just feel like at the moment, as you mentioned, I'm a financial analyst. So it's juggling two jobs. And then I've got my sister's wedding coming up. So there's three jobs, basically, because I'm maid of honour. So hey, who's making the cake? Uh, it's me. Are you actually doing it? Yeah. So basically, my sister kept on being, she's kind of like the sort of overprotective sister. She's okay. like, you know, don't do it, Chriselle. You know, you're too busy. You've got too much on. I was like, no, I really want to do it. I really want to do it. Um, and then she, one day she called me. She goes, look. Gave me this really Simon Cowell-esque sort of call. You know, we've had a lot of thought put into it, but we've decided we want you to make the cake if you're happy to do it. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually panicking because I've never really done a wedding cake. And it's also quite funny because pre-Bake Off, so my sister got engaged in 2019. Um, She's just quite slow with planning. And I said at the time, oh, I'd really love to make your wedding cake. And she goes, oh, but Chris, I don't think you're that good at cakes and stuff because I wasn't at the time. Wow. (laughs) And suddenly now. So how many people are you baking this for? So it's 200 people. So it's, I mean, for wedding wise, it's quite small. Yeah. Um, But 
yeah I'm just trying not to think about it I'm gonna do a few practice bakes okay. um, and just put myself in the whole bake-off zone because to be honest I never thought I'd be able to make a cake that defies gravity in four hours but I did that well she you did I did you did <laughs> so I kind of feel like you know a wedding cake seems out of reach but then so something like that so I mean because I when interestingly when we got married I learned that when you have a wedding of let's say 200 you don't necessarily make the cake for 200 people you make it for a little bit less I I don't know maybe you are but for that size cake are you gonna will you have to go and do that in like a special kitchen or are you gonna do it at home I think I'm gonna do it at home what I'm gonna do I'm just gonna think about time management and try and I think what I'm going to do is make a three-tier cake, which okay. may not feed 200, but then make loads of spare cakes and then kind of dice them up. Okay. So be a bit clever of, you know, yeah. But it's scary. Oh my God, this is so... When is she getting married? 25th of June. Okay, okay. So we've got some time. We've got a bit of time. Okay, fine. To collect I was going to ask you what it's going to look like, but I don't think I can ask you that. I have to <laughs> yeah. ask you that after recording because she's probably going to listen to this. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, I definitely can't say that. So you are my first great British Bake Off <gasps> contestant. No, yeah, gosh. That's, that's your new honour. Oh my gosh, I'm going to add that to my CV uh, now. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I actually feel very honoured because oh. funnily enough, which may come as a surprise to some people, um, I only started watching Great British Bake Off about two three years ago oh wow I've never watched any of like the previous ones oh, wow. because I just thought no this isn't really my thing and I remember my friend saying to me Hannah I don't understand why you don't watch it because you love baking and I don't claim to be a baker I just it and we're going to talk about this in a bit but I love the therapeutic process of it yeah and yeah. then suddenly I started watching and I was like oh my god this is right up my street <laughs> like bloody hell but we'll come to the process in a bit yeah I always start my conversations with um, the question is, what did you have for breakfast today? Oh, good question. So for breakfast, I had a bowl of porridge, which is really boring, but I'm a bit of a porridge gal. I have porridge most mornings, um, especially when it's cold because I hate the cold. So I literally have a bowl of porridge. So I literally feel myself sweating, which is lovely and glamorous. (laughs) Um, But I just feel like I need to warm myself up and I have it with loads of cinnamon, banana, almond milk. It's just really filling and flavorful and lovely. what is the secret to good porridge because i used to be do you know it's funny you brought that up i don't think i've eaten porridge in years and i should probably get back into really? it really like, because sometimes it's a bit dry sometimes it's like yeah. it takes me ages to like thicken it up what is the secret so a few things that i do i always make it with milk i think yeah. some people make it with water and milk but milk it's really creamy it feels a bit sort of rice pudding yes um and the other thing a pinch of salt Really? Yeah, so whenever I'm baking, or if, if I'm making something sweet and I'm the flavour's not quite right because I'm all about flavour, I'll think, what's missing? And sometimes it's just a pinch of salt and suddenly it's just transformed what I've made. So yeah, a pinch of salt in your porridge. I have to say, this far down the line in terms of like my short-lived food career, I still don't understand why they say pinch of salt in certain baking. Is there a, is it just, is it like a balance? Yeah, it's a, it's a flavor balancing. So the other, actually yesterday I made these little cheesecake bars and I was just testing the the mascarpone and something wasn't right. And I added a pinch of salt and suddenly it was better. And this also happened with one of the buttercreams I was making in Bake Off. For my first bake was practicing this batch of buttercream at home. And it was nice, but it just was missing something. And I added in salt and it just changed it. It just, it's to do with the sort of your flavor palette and you need a bit of salt because sometimes salt brings out sweetness and also vice Mm. versa. If you're making something savory, adding in a pinch of sugar or a bit of honey or maple syrup balances out the flavor. So I know it well sort of when I'm making like a tomato sauce, I always add some sugar into the tomato sauce. Okay, so it's kind of like the opposite in a way with like sweet food. It's literally that. So like 
for example, salted caramel is a really good example. Yeah. Caramel on its own is fine. Adding in salt to caramel, mm, mm. it just makes it amazing. And it's not salty, but it just brings out this yeah, lovely yeah, yeah, sensation. Yeah. Obviously, miso is a step further, which yeah. is my obsession. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I've, I'm always about balancing the flavor kind of palette and stuff. And that's kind of how I grew up. And that's kind of my introduction into food because I used to watch my mum cook. And then I became her chief taste tester at home. She would say, go, Chriselle, you know, do you want to try this curry? And she would say to me, oh, Chriselle, what does it need? Because, you know, sometimes you need to add a bit of acidity. You need some lemon juice sometimes. Or sometimes you need a pinch of sugar or a pinch of salt. So she actually taught me the foundations of flavor and how to balance the palate. So I learned that when I was really young, before I could even cook. Mm. I learned how to taste food. And that kind of paved the way for me to then go into cooking and then eventually baking. But all of everything that I make is always flavor led as opposed to like, I don't know, I want to make a rice pudding. It's always, oh, I really like the idea of lemongrass and coconut. Why didn't I put that in a rice pudding? Got you. So yeah, I just, flavor is always the first thing I think of. Which seamlessly brings me to my next question, um, which is sort of taking it back to your childhood. So you were born and raised in London. I want to know what life is like growing up. Obviously your mum was the primary cook. Yeah. Talk to me about what some of the dishes were that you were on your table. Was food important in your family? Sort of paint the whole picture. Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> food has always been so important to my family and we're a very food centric family I think just our culture is very food centric generally so our fridge and our freezer are always jam-packed <laughs> there is it's genuinely the, the freezer that you open and things fall out and you yeah. have to like chuck in something and then close the door and you can feel that when you open the door something's gonna fall out and that's literally just what our house is like I love that. and there's always something in the oven always something on the hob and if someone come also sorry I'm just getting sidetracked the word hob I didn't know is not an American term I once mentioned this on my Instagram story and all these Americans are like, what's hob? Anyway, so yeah, stove top. So, oh, is that what yeah. they say? Yeah. God. <laughs> so now every time I say hob, I'm really self-conscious. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, food for thought. But anyway, okay. <laughs> um, so always food on the stove top. And basically, it's all like, like similar to you, you were saying when I got here, always have to feed people if they yeah. come to my house. And if someone doesn't eat something, I get very offended. I just think, why didn't you want to eat my food? So always about feeding people. And um I've got two sisters. My older sister just moved out. So now there's four of us at home. But there were five of us for a very long time. Actually six when my granddad, my late granddad used to live with us as well. But yeah, there were, we have a re really, really busy household. But I think out of myself and my sisters, I was the one who just loved their food. I was a really mm. chubby baby, loved eating, loved the process. I was the one. That's why I became chief taste tester because I used to just stand next to my mum like a little tail and just watch her. My two sisters just couldn't care less. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess food we used to eat growing up is still sort of the food that we eat now. It's, you know, really good going food, you know, going fish curries, you know, going mutton curries, chickpea curries. It's basically curries and rice are the main sort of elements. But when you have family coming over, it's not just let's make a curry and a rice. It's let's make five curries. Let's make oh five gosh. different types of rice. Let's make five wow. different types of vegetables. And it's always making a feast. Um, and that's kind of how... I grew up as, you know, always surrounded by like feasts of food when we have family over and my family love entertaining. So they love having people over. And I feel like I've inherited that. So I love now hosting dinner parties and I always bring my friends over and I say, don't bring anything, just come over and I'll always make a feast um, because I love it. Mm. Um, and I think I've really inherited that kind of, you know, that desire to feed people. And I genuinely just love it because I just find the whole thing just really I just, I don't know. I think there people have different ways of how they want to spend time with people. But for me, I just love feeding people. Um, I just think it's fantastic and it's so much fun. You're absolutely the same as me. I think I always say that 
my way of showing that I love and care for you is for you to come to my home and I'll cook for you. Yeah. And there's something about people enjoying the food you've eaten. That gives me pleasure. Or like even my, like, because I'd say it's difficult, I think, if you're like living by yourself. You know, I remember when I used to live by myself in my 20s and I didn't have a boyfriend or anything. And it was sort of like, I wasn't really cooking then. Like my my cooking journey hadn't really started at that point. And then I sort of, you know, when you might either get into a long-term relationship and you want to maybe impress or like, you know, like, for example, my husband is probably my chief tester because I can just try everything on him. And he will probably give me an honest answer yeah. or maybe not, and not, not to hurt my feelings. <laughs> but no, there have been a few things that have like not gone right. But I love that. Now, obviously, sort of who's going in your family? So both my parents. Right. So they're both. OK, fine. They're yeah. going Portuguese, both together. Fine. Yeah. Talk to me about going food as opposed to sort of the rest of India, because yeah. there is a slight difference. Yeah, definitely. And this is one thing that I love talking about, because I think especially in this country, the national dish is like a chicken korma. And I just think, do you know what? Indian food is such a broad umbrella. And as you travel around India, the food really differs. And Mm. so Goa, obviously, is sort of my bread and butter. And Goa was colonised by the Portuguese. And what that means is, basically, the Portuguese came in, invaded the country, and with them, they brought loads of their own spices. They brought things like green chilies and tomatoes. And so that has what's really influenced Goan cooking. And actually... For example, the dish vindaloo, which everyone knows and loves, actually came from a Portuguese dish called carne de vina de alos, which was this sort of Portuguese dish made with wine. And then the Goans, basically, when the Portuguese came in, they swapped the Portuguese wine with Goan vinegar, and out came vindaloo. And Goan, yeah, and so a lot of Goan dishes are very vinegar based. So you get coconut based curries, vinegar based curries. So, like, one of them was the pickled chicken curry that I made in Bake Off. Um, and it's called pickled chicken. Even though nothing is really pickled, it's because it's got loads of vinegar. It has a sort of sourness, but then it's offset with some sweetness. It's, you know, talking about this whole sweet mm-hmm. and savory thing again. Um, and you get loads of vinegar-based curries because coconuts are in abundance in, in Goa. And so you get either coconut milk-based curries or you get loads of desiccated coconut and curries or you get coconut vinegar, which comes from the coconut sap. And that sounds amazing. It's amazing. Coconut it's not vinegar. Yeah, it's incredible. And so you get all of these different things which really influence Goan cuisine. And also we roast spices before we use them, which again adds another depth of flavour to, to your curries. Um, and then we also use things like tamarind, which mm-hmm. is a bit of sweetness, which we love. Um, and also fish, like Goan fish curry is basically, if there was one dish I could eat the rest of my life, it's that. That's it. Um, I love it. I love making it. And we have, we call it GFC for sure. Um, but it's our favorite thing. Um, fish Fridays, every Friday is going fish curry. And I love it. Oh my gosh. You're, I'm sort of like salivating a little bit. <laughs> um, something I just wanted to touch back on in terms of your childhood. So you said that you sort of grew up in this environment where there was always something cooking. It was all about hosting and sort of celebrating your, you know, the food of, of where you're from. Yeah. Did you ever grow up on any sort of Western food? Did your mum ever cook anything like, yeah. I don't know, a spag bowl or fish fingers and, yeah, yeah. you know, peas? No, definitely. <laughs> and actually, it's quite funny because we had predominantly going food, but definitely like once a week there was a pasta, like a spag right. bowl or something yeah. else. And actually now we have a lot of like Chinese food. So we'll do stir fry. Sometimes we'll have sushi. And so... I think that's also come from now I help out a lot with mm, cooking at home. Mm. Um, and so I've sort of brought my own influence. And, you know, we have like a big jar of crispy prawn chili oil in, in the cupboard. So do I. <laughs> it's the best. I love like, that On stuff. your fried eggs and oh, everything. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So 
I think now, definitely now, it's really a whole mixture of stuff. And actually, even growing up, I wouldn't say it was solely, um, you know, Portuguese going food. For example, every Saturday was sort of our cheat day as a kid. So we we had Cocoa Pops for breakfast and then yes. at lunch we would have a little pizza. Love. Um, so, yeah, I think we would always have, it was definitely a mixture of, you know, more Western food and also, um, you know, the, the more going stuff. But yeah. it was it was a big mix. But, yeah, predominantly going food. Fast forwarding a bit, you're a financial analyst by trade, which is a real far cry from this sort of new (laughs) world you're navigating at the moment. So how did you find the time to sort of start baking whilst also keeping up what I can imagine is quite a highly demanding job? Yeah. So do you know what? Baking for me was always just a way to relax. Cooking and baking, and I know you mentioned this before, it's really therapeutic, and I've always felt that. Not everyone thinks that. My sister thinks it's a waste of time, doesn't get the concept. Whereas (laughs) for me, I really enjoy it, and I think it's so therapeutic. So, like I said, I've been cooking from quite a young age, but baking was a more recent, about three years ago, I started baking, more as an extension of my cooking. And I think over lockdown was when I really started kind of having more time to invest in it, because obviously Mm. I wasn't going out. I was stuck at home. My parents are quite high risk, so I wasn't even eating out to help out. I literally was stuck at home. I thought, what can I do? I saved two hours a day from commuting that I now had on my hands. And I just thought, well, do you know what? I've started baking. I'm not that great. Why don't I try and do a bit more? And then I really started getting into, you know, I would log off from work, do a bit baking in the evening. And it was so nice because... I think the main difference about baking from cooking, which I learned as I started baking and my cakes just weren't very nice, was baking is all about precision and measurements and this kind of science. Um, And so it's actually quite nice to spend, for for example, when I cook, it's a bit kind of a, you just chuck in a bit of this, it's very quick fire, you just chuck a few things and it's done. You're literally the same as me. (laughs) (laughs) And baking is a lot, you know, you really have to take your time. That's when I get my playlist out, you know, measure everything, clear the worktop and everything, you know, you spend a lot more time and then cake decorating you know that was the first I guess main I guess bake-off-ish thing I started doing with baking was cake decorating and I think Mm. that is what kind of actually snowballed into me applying for bake-off because that was when my family started being like oh Christelle you know you're quite good at cake decorating you should consider applying for bake-off because I think that was when my sort of creative license started coming out with my bakes because I started you know practicing piping and I really got into that and I think over lockdown was when I had more time to do that um, but I think when you've had a really tough day at work, some people just want to, you know, I don't have a glass of wine, go out for me, just coming downstairs and just baking. I just love it because you put your mind to something. And also baking really allows you to concentrate because you have to concentrate when you bake. And it's nice to concentrate on something else that's completely unrelated to your day job. Um, and when it works out well, it's great. When it doesn't and your cake collapses, it's quite sad. Yeah. You just think, I put in so much effort <laughs> and now my cake's collapsed. Yeah. Um, but when it works out well, it's really nice. I think you're, everything you've just said, I couldn't agree with more. <laughs> and I think there's something about it being such a controlled environment. I'm clearly the same kind of cook as you. Like I will look at recipes, but I won't... I won't necessarily have the recipe with me as I'm cooking. It's more Mm. for inspiration. Like, oh, I never thought about doing that with some chicken. But let me just use my own spices and my own quantities because I really like spicy food, for example. And I do find a lot of sort of mainstream recipes always sort of tone down the spice for maybe a slightly more Western palate or whatever. But for me, 100% Christelle, like it's a time actually where I switch off. I have to concentrate. Everything has to be precise. 
I'm a little bit OCD, so I like everything being measured out, you know, ahead of time. You know, it's you know yeah. things like well, if your if your butter isn't at room temperature, then you might need to wait a couple yeah. of hours. You know, <laughs> it's it is it's methodical. Yeah, and I think that's a, it is a way of switching off a hundred percent. Yeah. So. I've obviously, you know, done my research on you. Um, and you've said sort of in past interviews that when you applied for the show, you never thought that you were going to get on. I mean, I can kind of sort of, you know, in the grand scale, you did start, you know, very recently. Yeah. So what did it feel like when you got that call? Do you know what? It, the whole process was just bizarre because it's a really lengthy process. Well, that's what I want to know as well. Yeah. Like, I, I, is this sort of a bit like an X Factor situation? Is there loads of different rounds? Yeah, loads of different rounds. And what's crazy is, so you basically have a really long written application that you send off. Okay. Um, and that you basically talk about what different types of cakes you made, biscuits, bread, pastry, what went right, what didn't go right, flavours you like to use. You talk a bit about yourself, your hobbies. So it's a really long application. Um, and basically, as you could probably tell, I like to waffle. So all my waffle was just kind of yeah. in writing. Set that off. And I, every single stage of the application process, I remember applying. And the reason why I applied, so my family kept on saying apply for Bake Off. And I said, look, I'm not going to get on. Um, I, I would rather apply in a few years' time when I'm more experienced and I'm more likely to get on. And if I do get on, I'm more likely to, to go far. Mm. And my <laughs> sister said that's a good idea, but just apply this year. And we got into a massive argument. She said, look, just apply. And I was like, but I don't want to apply. If I, I'm, if I, it's just, it'll be a waste of my time. And she goes, yeah, but you might as well apply, get rejected, and then hopefully by your third attempt, you'll get on. So that was genuinely my mindset. I thought, well, I'll apply, understand the application process, and then hopefully by my third attempt, it will kind of be a bit of a breeze. So anyway, every time I completed one part of the application, I remember chatting to my sisters, and they were like, oh, well, Chris, anyway, you know, don't worry about it, you know, when you do get that rejection. Because they were also trying to you know, it's, it, they weren't being negative, but it's all about just being realistic. Yeah. And I had to be realistic with myself. And I think sometimes, whilst it's important to be ambitious, it's also important to be realistic with yourself. Also, just because you don't want to then feel really disappointed with yourself and think, oh, I really thought I was going to get on and I didn't. So I always told myself, I'm not going to get on, I'm not going to get on. So after that whole written application, I remember I was on a work call and I saw this number come through and I couldn't take it. And there was a voicemail and there was this woman saying, oh, hi, I'm calling from the Great British Bake Off. We process your application. And I kid you not, I sat on my chair like, what is going on? I thought I was going to be sick. And she goes, oh, I'd love to have a chat. And I thought, what is going on? But you know, when you just hear someone say, I'm calling from the Great British Bake Off, you just think, what? And I just, it was just crazy. I felt myself going warm. Oh like, the whole thing gosh. was just mad. Because I just never thought mm. I would get a call back. So then basically had a telephone interview then I had a zoom interview then I had an in-person interview wow and then just loads more telephone calls my dad got a character reference work got a character reference one of my friends got a character reference call then I had to speak to a psychotherapist there were basically loads and loads of rounds Bloody hell. yeah so obviously every round I was just like there is no way I'm gonna get on and I remember my mum speaking to my sisters just saying oh girls do you think she's gonna get on and my mum was telling me this after when I got on and they um they were like no mum don't worry it's way too competitive she definitely won't get on and my mum said okay I hope not because I just don't think she's ready and you know my mum just being a concerned mum and they said oh mum honestly don't be silly she won't get on my mum said are you sure because she keeps on getting all these calls and they said no, no no don't worry and then they told us we were going to get a call on a Friday to, to, to let us know. I think this is, I'd now been told I was in the final sort of 25 or something. And I thought, wow, okay, I mean, this is mad. And I thought to myself, you know, when I do get rejected, at least I can say I've been in the final 25, you know, yeah. bake off. And then, so they said they would call us on Friday to give us a verdict. And I got a call on Thursday. And I thought, well, it's a Thursday. Obviously, I haven't got on. And the, the producer calls me and says, oh, Chriselle, do you have five minutes? And obviously, me being an overthinker, I thought, 
calling on a Thursday, not a Friday, five minutes, clearly it's going to be a short call <laughs> to reject me. And then she goes, oh, um, so just wanted to give you a quick update just to say that you're one of our 12 bakers. And I literally was like, what? So I'm like crying, I'm like screaming, put down the phone. And my sister worked in the room next to me. So she came in going, oh my gosh, Chriselle, what did she say? I said, well, I don't know, I was screaming, but she said, you're one of our something bakers. I think she said 12. And she goes, are you sure? And then I was like, maybe she said you're one of our reserve bakers. So I quickly messaged uh... back the producer being like, Hey, thanks for calling. Just wanted to check. Did you say I'm one of the 12 or one of the reserve? She calls me back straight away and goes, Hi, Christelle, what would you rather be? I was like, one of the 12? She was like, you're one of the 12. And I was like, oh my God. And then just ran down the house, like hugged my mom. So how far in advance? So that call happens. And then when are you then sort of sent on your merry way? Yeah, so we found out the end of March. Oh, okay. And then we left for the tent at like mid to end of May. Oh, wow. Okay. So we had about a month and a bit, just under two months to prep all of our stuff and understand what a Jaconda collar and a Bavoir was. <laughs> Do you know what really fascinates me about that whole story is that not once were you asked to bake anything oh no I was sorry oh, yeah so I kind of skipped so yeah so, okay so you are yeah yeah so, we so then how do you get it to them so baits there were two bits we had to bake so the first one was a zoom I guess because of covid we weren't actually allowed so this bit would usually be in person so we had to basically make a loaf of bread and also a biscuit selfie portrait which is one of the past showstoppers I know what does that even mean <laughs> sorry uh, like an A3 yeah. sort of selfie. Uh, yeah, of I think I might have seen that, yeah. <laughs> so that those two things we had to present on Zoom and then we had to like rip apart our bread to show the gluten structure. Oh, this, wow. Yeah. So that was, but they never got to taste it. Well, then the next one. So then after that, we then I was invited to an in-person audition. So for that, we had to take in a one-tier decorated cake and we could decorate it however we want, flavour it however we want. And then we had to do a film technical challenge, which, surprise, surprise, was a nightmare, and I <laughs> did awfully in it. And I remember being like, this is awful, my cake is disgusting. Um, and I remember coming home being like, you know, and it was quite cool, though, because we, um, it was filmed, not in the tent, but in, like, a hotel, in, and we got we actually got to film on the bake-off benches. So I remember coming home being like, do you know what? I know I didn't get through, but at least I got to bake on a, on a bake-off bench because I was just convinced that my technical yeah. challenge was so bad. And then, yeah. Oh, my God. I literally have so many questions. <laughs> so, so like, I'm just thinking, like, I'm trying to, like, imagine I was you. You know, I can bake. I know I can, like, make a cake, make cookies, all yeah. that sort of stuff. But, like, if you said to me, um, could you just go make me, like, a creme patisserie? <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do. So did you have to spend a lot of time learning? Like, do they give you a list of things that are probably going to come up in your filming schedule? Well, that, you know, because mm. a, a lot of home bakers don't yeah. make some of these things. Yeah, it was basically kind of what I do in my day job is learning on the job. So what happens is we get given the briefs for weeks one to nine, but that's obviously the signature and the showstopper. So we get to, so they'll basically say, so for week one, you've got to make mini rolls and for your... So you know what's coming up and that's whilst you're at home. Yeah. Fine. But okay. obviously the one thing you don't know, the technical challenges, because obviously the whole yeah. idea is you're not supposed to know until yeah. you... Um, take off that gingham cloth so we got to basically the cloth of doom i know don't i literally have ptsd um, <laughs> but yeah so like the signature and, and the showstopper we got to prep before but when you think about it having kind of under two months to put together 18 recipes it's not just putting together 18 recipes so first you've got to come up with an idea so for example make a gravity defying cake and I remember when the food producer told me that I thought I actually laughed because I thought she was joking because she goes also for example if you had to make a cake that defied gravity you would have to think about you know how your structure and I laughed it off and she goes oh by the way that is actually a week one showstopper and I thought yeah so there's a lot of stuff going through your mind she's like what is going on but 
So you basically have to come up with an idea. So I thought, okay, right, first come up with a concept. Then you've got to come up with a flavour and an actual bake to go within your concept. Then you've got to practice it. And then it probably goes wrong a few times. Mm. Then practice it within a four hour time frame. And you've got to do that with 18 different recipes, which is basically why... And I loved it because I love baking and I love food and I love being creative. But it's really hard and you're really out of your comfort zone, even for the best baker out there. You're like, I never, I, I don't know how to engineer, but I suddenly have to now think, okay, how do I make a, a cake that looks like it defies gravity? Or how do I make an interactive um, toy made out of biscuits? <laughs> and it's just crazy. So I remember just, you know, kind of sketching out ideas. And I have this like massive like notebook of really ugly sketches of being like, okay, what can I make? And then it's also, what can I make that looks impressive, but that's also doable? Um, but I, that's why I think, as long as you genuinely love baking and you love coming up with ideas and you love, you know, creating flavor combinations, which again was a really, and I think that's in the signatures, it's all really about mm. your flavor combinations. So mm. I really loved coming up with flavors for the signatures because I think that's really where you got to show off your flavors. If you love that, I think you will, you will kind of, your adrenaline will just take you through it because it's, yeah, it's really intense, but it's all about, you know, being creative and trying to use every bit of your imagination to come up with something. And loads of my things were kind of based around my family, because for me, that's the easiest place for me to draw inspiration from. And I just thought, oh, okay, well, I remember for like Caramel Week, I thought, what can I do to decorate it? And I've got this massive cactus in my porch, which is my late granddad's. And I thought, I'll do cactuses, cacti. Mm. Um, and, you know, I learned how to pipe them. And I thought, great. But I always, and I also think if you dedicate some, a bait to someone, when you're actually there baking it, you've kind of got a bit more motivation because you think, well, I'm doing it for someone. I'm dedicating Absolutely. it to someone. And it just means a bit more to you rather than you're just baking a random bake. So, for so okay, so you, I mean, I, I know you've kind of said it. So, for example, I, I don't know why I keep coming back to creme patisserie for some reason. <laughs> that comes like the devil for me. I've never made it. I don't really plan to. But, so, for example, let's assume that you'd never made creme patisserie before. Would they have said to you, you're going to need to know how to make creme patisserie, you're going to need to know how to make a caramel, you're going to need to know how to make, I'm trying to think of other fillings, I mean, most people should hopefully be able to make a buttercream, but, like, I'm just trying to understand, and then also, the other question I want to ask is, you're having to practice 18 different bakes, probably numerous times, Yeah, that's also quite a lot of money to buy all the ingredients. Yeah, so we do. And time. Yeah, I think the time is the scary, the scariest, but they do give us like an allowance for ingredients, okay, which fine. is really helpful. Yeah. Um, but I think, so at first, going back to your first question of do you do we get kind of told what to make? So for the, the, the signature and the showstopper, they kind of tell us like things, they won't tell us how to do it because we have to kind of learn that ourselves and they can't give us extra guidance. But it will say, for example, your caramel dessert must have three caramel elements. Fine, um, okay. But they won't kind of say, this is how you make a wet caramel or, you know, your bavoir must Go be Go and heated. figure that out yeah, yourself. Yeah, you've got to do it. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah. so much trial and error, um, which I, I remember my week four, Jacon's collar thing, you basically had to make like a layered set dessert wrapped around this cake collar. Oh my God, I remember that. And <laughs> the amount of times at home that thing collapsed, I remember taking out the cake tin and that collar once it split, and I'm not joking, this sea of lime jelly just went all over the kitchen <laughs> and I just looked at it and I just had to just walk out the house. I yeah. just, I just need some yeah. time just to clear my head. Did, were there many tears throughout this process? Yeah. Well, do you know, as in the practicing, well, just everything. Yeah, it was I'm really already em- feeling a little water in the yeah. eye. <laughs> <laughs> it was really emotional. And I think actually it was my, my week one show. So I was doing this bouquet of flowers and 
it just couldn't defy gravity. And every time I made it, it would collapse. And I remember my family, because I'm my family everywhere, my dad would always walk past while I was making it and he'd say, oh, because I, I think your cake looks like it's wonky. I was like, no, no, dad, that's part of the design. Because you know when you're in the, in the yes. zone, you just don't want people kind of yes. telling you what to do. You're like, leave me alone. And I was like, dad, dad, it's part of the design. He was like, are you sure? I, can, I was like, dad, it doesn't need propping up. It's fine. <laughs> and then suddenly I would look at it and it was moving and then I had to call my sister. I was like, Corel, hold, put your hand there. And then the cake would just fall in her hands and then that was it, so. And how did you keep it so quiet? I mean, I, I assume you all have to sign NDAs and all Oh my gosh, all this sorts. was probably the most stressful part of anything was keeping it a secret. I assume your family had to know because you were living with yeah, them. Yeah, so my yeah. immediate household can know. Um, but apart from that, no one else. So my colleagues at work, like my friends, and I have got a really invested group of friends. Like they're the sort of friends that... My God, I don't know how I could hold that. Yeah, and I remember, so I was trying to think of like a lie to tell. So I just said, um, oh guys, I'm... Oh yeah, I was like, oh, I'm going away. I've got... Oh, I said, oh, no, I'm going away. I'm doing like a cooking course. And they said, oh, why are you doing a cooking course? I said, oh, you know, one day I want to be a professional chef. And, they, and then they started Googling, oh, what's the name of the course? And then I just stopped replying in the chat because I thought, I don't know what to do. And I remember like speaking to my family. I was like, guys, I can't keep up this lie anymore. And then other friends, because I, I basically then thought, well, I, I don't know why this is a really stupid idea. I started telling people different lies. And then I started telling some people I was doing work exams. I said, oh, what work exams? And I just said, oh, just some internal exams. I said, oh, but wait, what's the name of the exam? They just said, some investment exams. Leave me alone. I just, oh, I can't do it. My God. So the lies were just really stressful. I just, yeah, really, really bad. So then at which point can you, is it literally when the, I guess, the previews of the new season that's when you're allowed to start telling people yeah so basically but obviously you're not allowed to tell them how far you get how far you get who's who, how far anyone else gets yeah so i remember and i just thought i have so many people to tell so i just called them over to my house and had a delayed birthday party and i was I like by this. the way guys i'm on bake off and they were like oh my god um but i said look listen and i i told all of my colleagues this all of my friends said please do not have high expectations don't expect much it's really tough. Everyone's amazing. Um, so I think a lot of people, after week one, they were like, oh, Chris, I thought you were going home in week one. Like, you know, you told us not to expect much. I was like, oh, yeah, but it kind of is downhill from here. Um, I love that. I, I just... love that. <laughs> oh, my God. I obviously mentioned it, and I'm not dwelling on anything bad here, but there's actually, I think, a really positive thing that I'm about to talk about. So obviously one of the main uh talked about moments in the series was um i'm calling it for catcher gate yeah i like that um, name. which was in the uh the final show your, your big finale um the for catcher we do have we yet found out did it rise did it not rise did it cook did it not like what happened do you know what it's it's sad and i remember after the final i would wake up in the middle of the night like what happened but i've kind of got over it Still to this day, I don't know exactly what went wrong with it because, and basically with baking, you can do something 99 times and it will be perfect. And on the 100th time, it will go wrong and you don't know why. And you just have to accept it because, as I said before, baking is a science. And if something in that science has gone wrong, that's it. And you, you just will never know. And that for Catcher, I did it in the practice set the day before. And everyone, I think in the edit, it was kind of, I was putting in loads of oil and so loads of people messaging me on Instagram like, I think you're putting too much oil in your focaccia. Mm. I was like, I wish it was that, but I measured my oil no. and I put the exact same amount of oil in my focaccia the day before and it was fine. So I know it wasn't that. Um, and so I still don't know what it was because I measured everything. My oven was on because my pies are in there at the same time. Yeah. So I know my oven was on, but something in there didn't work. Um, and I don't know what it was, but I always tell myself, I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. And 
I remember when they cut into it and I remember it was Prue's face. She looked at me and my heart sank because I knew something was wrong. And I just, and she goes, of course, it's not recognizable as Focaccia. And I just thought, oh my gosh. But then I remember being really down after that happened. And then I think just before the verdicts, I sat with, you know, Chiggs and Giuseppe and I thought, you know what? I'm actually okay with it. Like, I genuinely think everything happens for a reason and it just wasn't meant to be. And I really accepted it now. And I just think, yeah, that is the nature of baking. And I also think it's actually nice for viewers at home to see, you know, now that I've obviously gone through it now, to see that we are amateur bakers and we are bakers and this is always what happens. And this is real life. It's real life. Baking is never plain sailing. This would probably happen in my kitchen a hundred times, but no one sees it. And I think it's nice to see that, you know, even on the Great British Bake Off in the final, something can go wrong and you don't know why, but that's baking and it's okay. And in a normal world, I would just start again. Well, I was sat on the sofa behind you right now (laughs) and I remember gasp. I mean, the noise that came out of my mouth, I was like, (laughs) because I'm not going to lie, I was rooting for you because I I just, honestly, that was my, you and my little like secret, (laughs) like, yeah, she's going to do it. Um, I literally was like, I don't know what the hell has just happened, but the positive for me, and that's what I think I took away from it is not only is obviously baking a science where we banged on about that, but we are not in control of anything in life. Yeah. And as you said, you practiced that, you did that so many times. And that moment, something happened. You'll probably never know, yeah. but that's okay. Because probably what you've learned from that and and subsequently like where you are in your life now and what the future holds for you, I think honestly, that will just, that, that weirdly I think is kind of like the making. Yeah. Because it was, it was, you know, you, there, I know there was a lot of chat. I was looking at it all online of saying, you know, she should have won and this and that and whatever. But it was like, actually, you know what? Sometimes it isn't that person. Yeah. Sometimes it is the person that might not win or something that happens to them yeah. that actually goes on to do the most incredible things in life. Yeah. And I just, I, I just took a lot from that because things happen to all of us in life. Yeah. You know, like, especially after the years that we've all had to go through. Yeah. And I just thought, no, this is, I think, I hope, not that I knew you at the time, but I was like, I hope she turns this around into a positive because yeah. no, definitely. It, is, it is what it is, exactly. right? It is what it is. Yeah. It happened. Exactly. And I think it's all about, like you said, if you kind of apply it to a broader context, it's about how do you deal with situations like you, that? Totally. Like I didn't turn around and start crying. I just thought, that's life. And, yeah. and I remember just being in so much shock. And then I got over it and I thought, that's fine. And actually... Do you know what? I think after that moment, I thought, do you know what? It wasn't meant to be. And when they called out Giuseppe's name, I genuinely was so happy for him because Mm. he really deserved to win. And I thought, this is a great, amazing moment. And I'm part of the Baker final. And yes, things didn't always go my way. But also, I I never had any regrets because I wouldn't do anything differently because I don't know what I did wrong. And it wasn't like... I overbaked my bread or I underbaked, I underbaked it, you know, so I have no regrets about it. And like you say, hopefully it's kind of paved the way for the future in a weird way. Damn right. (laughs) So looking back at all those uh, weeks or obviously it was days in in the context of filming, what would you say was your favourite bake out of the whole season? I think it would have to be my week six terrine pie. Yes. Um, And I think for a few reasons. The first reason is it was one of the few savoury bakes. And it basically meant, I'm a cook and a baker, as I mentioned, I was first and foremost a cook. 
and it was one of the few bakes where I really got to cook. Mm. And I thought, this is great because I cook. I actually remember you saying that in the the episode. (laughs) And I just thought, this is great because I really, I know it sounds really bad because I'm on a baking show, but I love cooking as well. So it was nice to be able to channel both of my passions. So that was one reason. Second thing, it was really sentimental. My late great grandmother's recipe was in there. And I remember before going on the show, after my first aim was to get through week one, after that it was to get through the first three weeks because those are sort of, you know, your sort of, I don't know, your training weeks yeah. as it were. After that, I just thought, I really want to get to week six and make that curry and I don't care if I go home. I just want to go on Bake Off and make a curry and that's what I told myself. Um, and so yeah, I got to do it. And then to get the recognition that I did, I genuinely never ever thought it would ever get anything close to that. I was just happy that I made it. Mm. And I remember just, I was just in so much shock and I just thought, what's going on? And I just, yeah, the whole, that whole experience was just a whirlwind. And I think for myself, for my family, like it was just, I think a really, just a a pinnacle moment for me in in that whole process. Absolutely. And then in general, what is your favorite flavor of cake? Oh, I know it's a hard one. Well, I I go quite rogue. So I developed, this is actually for my edition, a chai spiced cake, which I made then for my mini rolls. I love a cup of chai. I have it every day. And everyone's got their own way of making chai. Um, But my mum and I sort of devised our own little recipe. And I remember one day I just thought, why didn't I try and infuse this into my cake? And it worked and I love it. So that is my go-to cake. Um, and I remember when I left for the tent, I had loads of cake scraps and I was, and then my, my mum said, oh, look, I'll just freeze them. And when I left for the tent, they were like, we miss your cakes. So I'm eating your little chai cake scraps from the freezer. Um, cause my family loved them. But yeah, that is probably my go-to. I just realized I really want to ask you something as well. Back to the, um, back to filming. What happens with all the cakes? So, and I always look at like Paul and Prue and I'm thinking, like, do you guys eat anything else? <laughs> like, I just, I, I'm just thinking of if I had to do like, is it two weeks that you do or three? Um, in total, so it, for filming, it's actually seven, seven weeks. So it, it's two days on, two days off, two days on, two days off. Oh my off. god, I, you're so you're away for seven weeks. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, I didn't realize yeah, yeah. it was that long. Why did I think it was two weeks? I was thinking, bloody hell, they're just like <laughs> churning this out, flipping out. Yeah. Don't turn the ovens off. <laughs> they're going to be back on in an hour. Oh my god. Yeah. So, okay, so you do get a bit of time to, like, not eat sugar for, like, a second-ish. Yes, I know, because you basically, so it's obviously day one, you film the signature and the technical, then day two, you film the showstopper. Right. And then your practice days, you're practicing your bakes for the next week. Got you. And then you're doing extra bits of filming for social media and extra slides. So it's all kind of still feels quite compact mm. um but we do get fed well like we have breakfast lunch and dinner so i get to eat my porridge in the morning which is great yeah. <laughs> with a pinch of salt um but so what happens to the practice bakes so in the tent they're a bit more picky just because of covid i think of you're course. not really allowed to you can't i guess in an ideal world we would give them out to everyone but you can't really so it was actually really sad because i hate food waste yeah, like yeah, it's just the worst thing so at home when i was practicing at home would give it out to parishioners at my church, my priests, Love my neighbours, everyone. Love and I remember people, because no one knew about Bake Off, so they were getting this like three-layered bavoir dessert. And they were like, <laughs> what have you made? I was like, oh, I was just bored after work. I just made this thing. And they were like, oh, wow, this looks very clever. I was like, oh, no, it's really not. <laughs> um, but in, um, in the main tent, so when we finish filming, the crew basically attack everything like a swarm of flies. Yeah. Um, we then do get, so we get, we have our own little baker's hangout room. So everything, we get a slice of like every single person's bacon that gets taken up to our room. So we do get to try everyone else's bakes, which is really nice. nice. Um, so we do get to try our stuff, but it's quite funny because with the technical challenges, the crew go to the person who, who wins and they eat their like, you know, 
ranked one right food yeah. and then we're left with you know my raw ciabatta breadsticks and i want to eat those but you know <laughs> i gotta say those technical challenges oh the like honestly sometimes i was like i don't know if i can watch this like, my heart rate <laughs> the thought of just like i'm not good with like like i'm really bad at like ad-libbing or like just not being prepared yeah and just like opening up something and being like here's your recipe it's got three words on yeah. a piece of paper and it's like <laughs> I mean, mate, what do you expect from me? Well, that was it. I hated it. And I <sighs> hate the unknown. I'm such a planner. Like, yeah. when I go on holiday, I have an itinerary. I know <laughs> where too. I'm going, at what time, which <laughs> restaurants and everything. So the technical challenges I knew from the beginning were going to be my downfall. And like I was talking before about being realistic, I knew that yeah. I wasn't going to do well in them. And I just had to prep myself for it. Mm. And I said to myself, I'm bad at the unknown. I hate it. And I'm not going to do well, but as long as I nail the other two challenges, hopefully that'll be enough to pull me through, which is kind of how I, you know, work myself to, to focus to on sort of your strengths and exactly. whatnot. And then that one, just work it out yeah, as you go along. Exactly. Yeah, and I totally. also think like in the tent, you sometimes like you have, I don't know, it's kind of being in a tent and you have this pressure you have this other random voice telling you to do random things that you never thought you would do. Like I remember I was making my sticky toffee puddings for that week four technical and my skewer didn't come out clean. Every baker knows that means it's under baked. And I thought, oh, maybe that's just the sticky toffee sauce at the bottom. So I took them out. Lo and behold, it was raw. Duh. So yeah, you do have this voice telling you to do random things, especially in those technicals. So not great. Taking it away from the home for a second, when you do find yourself out and about, where are some of your favourite places to eat? Both sort of just food in general. Yeah. And then where are some of your favourite places to eat, you know, patisseries or cakes? Ah, okay. So restaurant-wise... Um, I basically love eating very kind of when every time I go out I always like to look at a menu and think what haven't I tried before and so I never basically would kind of go to an Italian and order penne arrabbiata for example yeah. so uh, Chotto Mate is a great place it's like Japanese Peruvian fusion love it because mm -hmm. I love Japanese food yeah. love like bao bun sushi all of that absolutely it's just my ideal stuff um, so Chotto Mate has got to be up there even though I mentioned about pasta, I love freshly made pasta, um, but I like interesting sort of flavor combinations and stuff. So I went to Lena stores recently, which I love. I've been a few times and they've got a really nice, I think it's like a duck ragu. And oh. also um, Padella, which is one of the first sort of freshly made pastas. They have a really nice, it's like a chicken liver pasta or something. I love chicken livers. Um, so that was amazing. Love that. And then... Gosh, there are so many. I'm just trying to whittle them down. Oh, I love a good ramen place. There was, yes. uh, there's one called Canada Ya. Yeah. Did I pronouncing it right? But um, I'm not at all like a bougie eater or person, but I love like truffle oil. And Who they, doesn't? I know, I love it. And they have a truffle ramen and it was amazing. What? Yeah. And I remember because my sister is obsessed with ramen and she also loves truffle and I looked and I found it and it's amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. I have to go. Really, really I good. weirdly haven't been, uh, I know it. I've walked past it many a time. For some reason I haven't actually gone, but because it's actually, I think, regarded as one of the best in London. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's, don't know if they had a truffle It's really, I don't know if they still have it, but I'm sure they do because it's amazing. Grief. And then the other place I really like which isn't really a restaurant per se but it's kind of more like a, a food markety like a, okay. a hall it's called Bang Bang um, and it's in Wembley and basically they have it's mainly all oriental um, oh wow it's kind of like little pop-ups and um, like a food hall and they have things like Vietnamese pho they've got Korean food they've got sushi and they have everything so you literally go around you order what you want you get a little buzzer and then you kind of pick up your food mm. and it's that is the stuff that I love like I don't really like pretentious fine dining so I like just going and you get to a bit sub, of street food yeah and you get totally. to sample everything so 
that is like my go-to place if I ever want to get good food because every because it also means that every time I go I can try something else because one day I'll get some Vietnamese sometimes I'll get like a Malaysian curry um so yeah I love it it's really really good and obviously you're sort of at the start of this very exciting uh trajectory what is what's the future gosh I don't know it's do you know what I all I know is that I love my food and I'm so passionate about it I love baking I love cooking um, and I love eating and I just want to be able to continue doing that um, and see where it takes me I'm obviously still working my day job um, I'm going to manage both for as long as I can yeah. um, and I think I'm just going to take one step at a time and see where it gets me but I just basically want to keep on doing what I love um, and I think that's what I've realised and like I was saying before Bake Off is such an intense process but the only thing that got me through was the fact that I genuinely love it and I think if you don't love what you do your work becomes a burden but for totally. me, like recipe developing, it can get really stressful because you will do something a hundred times and it won't come out right. And I think if you don't enjoy cooking or baking, you'll probably give up. But I won't give up because I enjoy it and I really want to get the recipe right. I really want to nail that flavor mm. combination and add in that pinch of salt. Um, yeah. and stuff like I'm never going to look at a pinch of salt <laughs> in the same way again. Every time I'm doing it, be like, Christelle says. <laughs> salt baby moment. Uh, literally. Um, but yeah, so I'm just going to you know just focus on that and I think focus on myself and I think I've also learned is what's really important is you know there are foodies everywhere and everyone's doing their own sort of they've got their own niche and I just want to focus on my own niche and focus on what I enjoy doing best and I've got an incredibly supportive network at home you know and they are now my taste testers which is quite nice in a way because it's kind of you know the tables have turned the tables have turned and literally now it's like my mum is like tasting all my stuff and I think I think you're mentioning about your mum being quite critical my mum is very much the same (laughs) my mum's favourite word is hideous Um, and I remember when I was practising for Bake Off I made my mini rolls for the first time and they weren't very many my mum was like oh they're a bit hideous aren't they Christelle I was like yeah mum I know Um, my mum will always start it with being like listen I'm not I don't I'm not trying to be critical but I'm like okay here Here we we go go. I'm just going to take a seat okay yeah yeah I think my mum needs to meet your mum they sound very similar (laughs) I know they mean well but it's like you know what shut up anyway I always end my conversations with a few quickfire questions yes of course so this podcast is sponsored by Gorillas. If you were baking a cake yeah. and you had to choose three ingredients that you realised you didn't have at home to make this wonderful cake, what are the three ingredients that you would order from Gorillas? Oh, okay. Could it, is it things I've never used? Or It could be whatever. You've kind of got like your flour and your sugar at home. Okay. It could be like your flavours because you're really yeah. into your flavours. So what are the three flavours you're going to try and order from, from the app? Oh. Well, I've just run out of Yuzu juice, so I wouldn't Perfect. mind a bottle of Yuzu juice. Um, oh gosh, this is a really, a really intense question. I'm trying to think. Oh, something that I actually really want to try. I think it's called Mastika. Was it Mastika or Mastika? Oh, is, is that a Cypriot? Yes, yes. cherry kernel thing. George used it a lot and it sounds really fascinating. So I really want to try that. Okay. So that's one. And my final one... I'm going to go with fresh truffles because I've only actually ever used truffle oil and I kind of want to have the real thing for once. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Oh, interesting. I've had quite a lot of stuff. Um, I have had chicken feet. I've had brain cutlets. Obviously not human brain. I think it's like... uh, (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't judge either (laughs) way. (laughs) Um, 
I think I've had pig's intestines. Lovely. Yeah, I had quite a lot of stuff. Where have you had all of these? Um, Hong Kong. Okay. And also Goa, funnily enough. That's okay. where I had the brain cutlets. Nice. Um, yeah, actually, they're quite, sounds quite gross, but really like soft and milky. But it's like fried. <laughs> I think you're literally about to throw up. <laughs> hmm. If you could all see my face right yeah. now. Um, it's, a, it's a face of confusion. <laughs> Do you know what? Don't knock it before you try it. it was no, really I agree. Good. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> what has been your most memorable meal? Oh, my most memorable meal. This is really hard. Probably would have to be going fish curry in Goa, in the homeland. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. My favourite snack of all time is a packet of crisps. What is your favourite flavour of crisps oh, and why? Okay, I would have to go for... Thai sweet chilli sensations. Uh, yes. That is just a good all-rounder. Yep. It hits all the different sort of palette, basic yes. flavour palettes. Yes, yes, yes. That is exactly why. Couldn't it's, agree. And also, you know when you're like at your friend's house or at like a house party and then you dip into like the crisp bowl yes. and it's a Thai sweet chilli one, you're like sold and then yep. you're just stuck by that bowl of crisps the whole evening. I agree. I also find that sensations sort of part of, I think it's walkers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just a much sturdier crisp. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I get really, this, this question is probably the most important question I'm going to ask all day. Because it it's just like, I love walkers, but they're very flimsy. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Like sensations just are, got a bit of a more of a crunch. Yeah, I actually get that. But they're not as thick as like a kettle chip. They're but sort of. I also do quite like a kettle chip. I don't mind a kettle chip. I'm very picky on the flavours though. Um, so I don't like the balsamic vinegar and salt. It has to be the malt vinegar and salt. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't think I've tried the malt vinegar yeah, and salt. Yeah, it's okay. like, I like really, really intense, like, going to put ulcers on your tongue. Oh, uh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Also, another crisp I really like, again, so they have them at Costco. There's a massive bag of truffle crisps, and they're kind of like yes. the kettle chip vibe, but they are so Moorish and Fab. just really yeah. truffly and, yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. What food sums up happiness for you? Oh, gosh. Um, like a dish or just anything? It could be anything. I think it'd have to be a bit of sweet and savoury. So something followed by a dessert. I mean, I want to go back to my Goan fish curry again. But I will yeah. say is, do you know what? Rather than that, a feast. So a Goan feast with all the different curries out there, all the different rices and like the little salad and the pickles, everything. Followed by... Probably a slice of cake. <laughs> Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> Be rude not to. Yeah. Final question. Live to eat or eat to live? Live to eat or eat to live. I'm just trying to press up my brain because my brain's being really slow. Oh, I live to eat. Oh, 100%. Sorry, I don't know why that took me so long. No, I... it, it does throw people because a lot of people make it into a really philosophical question. But you, yeah. you obviously said the right I answer. I mean, yeah, yeah, obviously. But whereas my sister is the complete opposite. Like, she's the kind of person who doesn't eat breakfast in the morning. Yeah. If there's food in the fridge, she'll just snack at it. Yeah. And that's kind of it. Yeah. Whereas I'm literally, I'm eating my breakfast. I'm like, what can I eat for lunch? And then I'm eating my lunch. What can I eat for dinner? So, yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy I met you. Yeah. We're literally the same person. <laughs> oh, Christelle, thank you so much oh. for coming on. I honestly think that the future is very bright for you. Oh, thank and you. I think that you're at the beginning. And, um, yeah. you know, during moments of adversity, you have completely come through. You've got amazing humility about you. And honestly, Aww. I wish you all the best. Thank if you. you want to follow Christelle on social media, you can. And she is at Christelle Pereira. Until next time, guys. Thank bye. You. Thank you for tuning in. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and review. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Crazy Sexy Food and check out the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel. Until next time, bye.